The epistle for the sixth Sunday after Pentecost is taken from the St. Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 6. Brethren, all we who are baptized in Christ Jesus are baptized in his death. For we are buried together with him by baptism unto death, that as Christ is risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also may walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we, all, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin may be destroyed, and that we may serve sin no longer. For he that is dead is justified from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live also together with Christ. Knowing that Christ, rising again from the dead, dieth now no more. Death shall no more have dominion over him. For in that he died to sin, he died once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So do you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. Mark, the 8th chapter. At that time, when there was a great multitude with Jesus, and had nothing to eat, calling his disciples together, he saith to them, I have compassion on the multitude, for behold, they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I shall send them away, fasting to their home, they will faint in the way. For some of them came from afar off, and his disciples answered him, From whence can any one fill them here with bread in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? Who said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, giving thanks, he broke, and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the people. And they had a few little fishes, and he blessed them, and commanded them to be set before them. And they did eat, and were filled. And they took up that which was left of the fragments, seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. Thus far the words for today's Holy Gospel. One of the soldiers with a spear opened his side. These words are taken from the Gospel of St. John. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some years ago, there was a men's retreat held in New Jersey. The priest who was in charge of the retreat, or mission, was very dedicated and devoted to the Sacred Heart. On the second night of the mission, when the priest had finished hearing confessions, he went to the back of the church to pray his breviary. Soon, a worried-looking man came up the aisle and anxiously knelt beside the priest. Whispering, he said, Father, the pastor told me to talk to you. He said, You have the answer to my problem. I don't have the answer, Father said but the sacred heart does. The priest led the man to the vestibule and then asked, 
What do you need the Sacred Heart to help you with? Well, Father, the young man began. It's a pretty big one, I think, even for the Sacred Heart. My wife has left me, and this is the third time. But she says this time she will never come back. And she even moved in with her mother. Looking distraught and taking a big breath, the husband continued, You see, there's ten years difference between us. No children, and we're each strong in our own views. The pastor has come to see her, but it didn't work. Father said, my wife is bitter, that there's no hope of reconciliation as far as she is concerned. But he told me to see you, that you might be able to help me. The priest accepted the challenge, and with an assuring look, Father said, I don't know how, but this sacred heart can and will solve your problem, if you do what I tell you. With hope in his eyes, the husband said, Father, I will do anything to get her back. Very well, Father said. Here's what I want you to do. First, make an act of blind faith in the Sacred Heart. You have got to believe that he can and will help you. I'll, I'll do my best, Father. The priest continued, Second, you have got to make reparation for your part in this situation. You are as much to blame as she is. It's partly my fault, Father, and I know it. What do you want me to do? I want you to make the rest of this mission with great fervor. Don't miss a night, and be sure to get to daily Mass and Communion. Say your rosary each day, and make some little sacrifice. For instance, choosing your less favorite food, being cheerful when you don't feel like it, or patiently suffering discomfort or some little pain. The husband promised he would do his best and that he would pay the price. Then father said, All right, here is the final thing I want you to do. When your wife comes home, at, at these words, the husband looked a bit surprised, and yet father went on, That's right, she will be back, and I know it. And the first thing you do is show the sacred heart you trusted him all along by enthroning him as the king and center of your home. The husband, still astonished, agreed. And then father said, I will ask the congregation to pray for a special intention tomorrow, and I will remember this one in my Mass. But you must have a lot of trust in the merciful love of the Sacred Heart. He loves you both, and He is anxious to bring you together again. Confidence is the key to His heart. When the man left that evening, he looked relieved and more happy than ever. And three nights later, the husband hurried into the sacristy and excitedly blurted out, Father, the sacred heart sure works fast. My wife is back. She came home today and everything is going to be fine. We are 
starting all over. On Sunday night, after the close of the men's retreat, the happy couple came into the sacristy together, hand in hand. They came to arrange to have the sacred heart enthroned in their home, to start over with the sacred heart. This may almost seem incredible, but it is a true story. Now in a book written in 1954, a certain Belgian priest wrote this about our modern times. When men speak more and more of love and mean less and less by it, God gives us a singular means of finding the source of all love, devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. It was only in 1856 that Pope Pius IX extended the Feast of the Sacred Heart to the Universal Church. But this devotion is not new. It was actually requested by our Lord Himself of St. Margaret Mary in the 1600s. But even before that, this devotion was spread by saints like St. Mechthild and St. Gertrude in the 1200s and by St. John Eudes in the early 1600s. But the origin is actually from Mount Calvary, of course. When our Lord was crucified beside the good and the evil thief, and the soldiers came onto the mount to make sure that the three had all died. So the soldiers came up to each of the thieves and broke their legs. But when they looked at our Lord and saw that he was already dead and exhausted from all his passion, they only pierced his side with a lance, and he opened his sacred heart. From all eternity, God had decreed that his heart would be opened, and for all time it would be opened to us. Our Lord gave us the object then of this devotion on Mount Calvary, the physical truly human heart of God, which was formed by the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. From that moment, the moment of the Incarnation, our Lord's sacred heart, the heart of God, began to beat as every human heart beats, as yours and mine does. And though the origin of the devotion dates back to Calvary, St. John the Evangelist, the beloved disciple, told St. Gertrude that the devotion itself was reserved for the latter times, our times. You see, St. John, as you know, was the one that rested his head on our Lord's sacred breast at the Last Supper. And you could actually hear the beatings of his sacred heart. And St. Gertrude in the 1200s, she also was given that same grace. Our Lord allowed her to rest her head on our Lord's sacred breast as well and to hear the beatings of His sacred heart. And so one day, it's, it's rather humorous, 
St. John, the blessed disciple, actually appeared to St. Gertrude. And St. Gertrude actually almost reprimanded and questioned St. John. Why did you not write about this in your gospel? Why did you not write about the beatings of his sacred heart and spread the devotion of the sacred heart when he wrote your gospel when he died before 100 AD? And St. John replied, The meaning of the blessed meeting of the heart of Jesus, which I heard while I rested my head on our Lord's breast, was reserved for the latter times, when the world grown cold in divine love, will require to have its fervor renewed and warmed by means of this mystery of his burning love. And so, this devotion was was reserved by God for our times, the latter days, when the world had grown cold in His divine love. And so what we need to do, my dear faithful, is three things. First, we must be devoted to His sacred heart and put unlimited confidence in His love for us. Second, we must never cease praying for our intentions, our loved ones, and the Lazaruses who are perhaps spiritually dead in our families, among our friends. We must never stop and cease praying for them. And third, we must offer up sacrifices and little pains and the inconveniences of every day for our part. Let us then, my dear faithful, bring all our intentions to the compassionate heart of our Savior. Let us be mindful of all He went through to prove His love for us and of His ability and desire to help us. The whole passion, and especially the opening of our Lord's sacred side and heart, are proofs of this desire. So, let us follow the advice of the priest in the story. The advice to the young husband. You must have a lot of trust in the merciful love of the Sacred Heart. He loves you, and confidence is the key to his heart. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.